the Korean Thread Podcast, episode 179, Selling One of a Kind Online. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name is Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey there, Thriver Jess here, and I am back from my epic holiday to Hawaii and Canada, back home recording new episodes, and a whole bunch of stuff is happening actually this month. It is going to be a big month for me and for Create and Thrive, and maybe even for you too, Uh, because not only have I reopened membership to the Thriver Circle, my private community for makers, for a short period of time. I'm also gearing up to run Set Up Shop, my flagship course where I help you set up a stellar online shop for your handmade goods. Over a thousand people have taken the Set Up Shop journey with me over the past few years. And if you would like to join us, just head on over to createandthrive.com and follow the links to sign up now for the course. As always, it is super affordable. It's under $100 to take this intensive 30-day course. Uh, I deliberately keep the price low because I want to get it out to as many makers as possible and help them. And not only that, I'm running a massive giveaway. So there is one prize worth over $750 and it includes uh, a one-on-one private consultation with me, an hour's worth of that, which I actually never, ever offer. It's not something you can buy. It's something I'm offering only as part of this giveaway. I'm also offering a full shop critique, three months of free membership to the Thriver Circle. I'm offering access to my ebook, the Create and Thrive Guide to Product Photography, and my other self-study e-courses, which are how to sell more at markets and shows and brand your craft. So all of that is going to be given to one lucky person And there is one simple way to enter. In fact, you might already be entered. Basically, all you need to do is be a member of the Thriver Circle. So if you are already a member of the circle, congrats, you don't have to do anything. You're already entered into the draw to win that massive prize. Uh, You just have to make sure that your membership is still active and current as of the 25th of March this year. And if you're not already a member, then you can join right now. Just head on over to thrivercircle.com to sign up and you will automatically be entered in the draw to win my massive giveaway. I've never done anything quite like this before, so I'm really excited um, to do this big, big prize. I really wanted to do something big. Um, You know, the members of the Thriver Circle are amazing and they, you know, make this podcast possible amongst other things. And they're just such a wonderful bunch of people. And I wanted to give back and say thank you for being part of our community. If you're not aware of what the Thriver Circle is, uh, it's my membership community. We have a private forum. You also get access to a whole bunch of um, handmade business video workshops, a whole bunch of private podcast episodes. So only members only podcast episode. I release a new one each month just for members. Uh, we do a whole bunch of live events in there every month and also of course you get access to my year-long course your year to thrive which is the course I wish I'd had in my first five years of business 
and it's a massive epic course that takes you a year one lesson a week to get through but it basically teaches you everything you need to know to start or revamp your business your handmade business so if you want to come and join us thrivercircle.com make sure to sign up before march 25th if you want to be eligible to win that big prize Uh, and i'm really looking forward to whoever i get to work with (laughs) for that prize now if you're curious as to kind of you know what a consult might look like because it's not something i really do i do do inside the thriver circle every month I offer what I call business intensives. So what that looks like is a Thriver Circle member fills in a questionnaire and then they hop on a call with me and for half an hour or a little bit longer, uh, that person and I will work through that questionnaire and work on their key things that they need to work on in their business at that point in time. And the other members of the circle can listen in and participate and give their feedback as well. So it's kind of, it's it's private, but it's not super private. It's, it's private within the circle. And today's episode is actually a recording of one of those business intensives because it was a really interesting one. Um, this, uh, the person I'm talking to is Cricket Broadhurst and she has been making jewelry for years, many, many years. She used to have even had a, her own shop and she specializes in um, sea glass, beautiful sea glass jewelry. Now, of course, that means that most of her work is one of a kind and we all know how difficult it can be to have a successful handmade business making mostly one-of-a-kind items so we talk a lot about that in this episode we talk about you know when you've been in business for a long time and how that changes things and how you feel about your work and your business after that amount of time and we talk about that her struggle with wanting to move away from markets and sell more online but she does so well at the markets uh, that you know she she doesn't know if she can actually ever make that that move completely so it's a really interesting episode it's her and I most talking about her business and working on these tough questions that so many of us will face over the years of our businesses so I really hope you enjoy this episode it'll give it's basically a peek inside the circle um, seeing what a business intensive is like and um, you know if you are a member or you want to come and join us you'll have a chance to do one of these with me as well as part of your membership so I hope you enjoy this episode remember if you want to be eligible for that big giveaway come on over and become a member of the circle today thrivercircle.com and uh, i'd love to see you in our community so let's get started with this business intensive with cricket all right cricket i'm just gonna i think you're good to go actually I, am I? Can you hear yes, me? Yes, you are. Hello. Sorry, bit technically challenged. Took me a minute <laughs> to work it out. <laughs> no, you are all good. And welcome. It's so lovely to talk to you. Thank you. And to you. Thanks for taking the time. Well, I'm glad that you uh, got in touch because you put your questionnaire in, I think, maybe November or December last year. Uh, yeah, I think it was November. Yeah. Um, so are you happy with everything that's there uh, to, for us to work through that? I Yes, I think so. They're still my... Um, I'd say that's still my challenges. I, November and December kind of went by in a bit of a whirlwind and I can't really remember <laughs> past that. It's kind of how those things happen really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so busy. So, yeah, it's good to actually stop and think again and maybe put some thought into how the rest of this year is going to go. Awesome. So I've just shared Cricket's website um, over in the uh, chat, so in the Zoom chat. 
So all you need to do there is have a click on that because I know Cricket would love some feedback from you guys. That's part of what we're going to actually um, talk about tonight. So let's dive into this questionnaire. So we'll start at the beginning. Um, so Cricket has been in business for 10 years. Uh, can you just take us through that, you know, in brief, take us through the journey of your business so far? Uh, yeah, well, it's been at least 10 years, maybe slightly more. Um, I'm basically a self-taught jeweller with very minimal um, jewelry, formal jewelry qualifications. Mm -hmm. But I did do a degree in art. So I've kind of built over the years on skills that I've had. And about maybe 10, 11 years ago, um, decided to open a little small space in the UK, a small shop, mm -hmm. selling my jewellery, which kind of progressed through about, I think, four, four places, four rental places by the end. Right. Um, and built that up to quite a thriving business. So I was uh, really happy by the, by the time it came to the end of leaving the UK and coming back to Australia. And I was in a position to sell that current business um, and felt like I'd learned a lot over mm -hmm. that progression of maybe seven years, I guess. So was that Seaglass like similar or was it a different Original? No, I started with mostly working with silver and right. some ceramics. I used to handcraft my own uh, ceramic beads okay. based on an ancient Egyptian technique, which was quite labour-intensive and not not guaranteed to work time, time and time again. Each mm -hmm. firing was different. So I found that the challenges of that, as well as the making and the, the creating those beads, was getting too much and too much stress. So I moved sideways into the sea glass and did both together for quite a long time mm -hmm. um and that was towards the end of so it would have been three years ago uh leaving the uk i was still probably predominantly ceramic beads mm -hmm. um and then when i moved back to australia i had no idea what the marketplace would be like here um because it had obviously changed a lot in the time i'd been mm -hmm. away and didn't actually intend to make jewelry at all i thought i'd take <laughs> a couple of years break and um <laughs> maybe just do it for fun and concentrate on being a mum because I, I had a three-year-old at the time when we moved back um, and just to kind of feel my way and, and start intentionally the way I wanted to move forward. Mm -hmm. But as, what, as th these things happen and obviously it didn't work out the way I expected and um, my partner didn't find work straight away. So the only way to make money was to start making jewellery again. Yeah. So I kind of got thrown in slightly um, at the deep end, I'd say, here in Australia because I didn't have a, a shop and I yeah. didn't know where I would sell my work and it's obviously a completely different marketplace to the UK. Uh, so I had to kind of find my feet pretty quickly and started just selling at markets because I didn't have any, anywhere else to sell really as an outlet. Mm -hmm. So I was listening to your, um, your – I don't know if it was you, your podcast or if it was the um, – the new podcast that you're doing with the other two, but mm -hmm. you were talking about, you know, making sure your ladder's up, <laughs> leaning up against the creek wall before yes. you start climbing. <laughs> and I feel like it, there was no no thought on which wall it was leaning up against. It was mm -hmm. just get a, get get making and get selling. Yeah. And it progressed really quickly and I sold a lot and that was just the way we made money for a year and a half. So um, I didn't really have time to stop. I was on that treadmill as you talk about. Mm -hmm. And had to do it had to rely on the money so there was no kind of I didn't even have the luxury of stopping to to think whether or not this is what I wanted to do <laughs> yeah. um but now that my partner's been working for well over a year um I can I feel like I can slow down a little bit and try to 
make a plan that's maybe got a little bit more sustainability to it going into the future. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel, yeah, I do feel like I've, because I put so much effort into it the last three years and I have started to establish myself a bit, I, I don't really want to stop now, but I want to continue in the correct sort of way for me, if that makes sense, going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of points. One thing, um, my first question is, you say the market's very different in the UK and Australia. Can you expand upon that a little bit? I'm just very curious. Um, I think it's changed a lot in Australia. I think way more educated than we used to be. I mm -hmm. know when I left Sydney 10 years ago, there were very few hand handmade shops. Um, I think there were there was one or two markets. Obviously, there was the rocks, but there weren't very mm -hmm. many um, markets to sell handmade products. And I, I think people were fairly uneducated, generally, the public. Mm -hmm. um, and then over that 10 years, I think with a partly to do with the big influx of um, people moving to Australia and that slightly more appreciative of handmade, I think that's changed quite a bit. While I've noticed it has in Sydney, mm -hmm. um, I would never have imagined when we when we left the UK and there I feel like people really appreciate handmade, they really appreciate craft, they understand it from whether it's making clothes or shoes or jewellery or cabinets mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. And I would find in my shop even even people who um, perhaps didn't have a huge amount of money would happily spend on handcrafted. It, it didn't have to sell. Everything sold itself, Yeah, if that makes sense. And I sold yeah. not just my work but uh, many other jewellers' work. So I, if somebody had said to me then, you're moving back to Australia and you'll basically do the same thing there, I would have said no because, mm. I, A, I didn't think there was a population to, for it and, B, I just didn't think it was valued mm -hmm. as highly. But I think it has changed a bit and I think it's progressing all the time. Um, so I, I've noticed at the markets that people's attitudes have changed, if mm. that makes sense. I used to do markets years ago and it was you really had to educate people, whereas now it feels like people have got it a little bit more and they are appreciating things that are a bit different. That's really interesting. I wonder if it's to do with the whole, you know, uh, the ongoing history of, of that in the UK, you know, there's such a long history of artisanship and, and whatnot. I think Australia so. has been yeah. very, always been very kind of modern, like trying to strive for the, the new and the modern and uh, maybe it's a renaissance of craft. Over I here. think so, yeah. And, and I think generally people maybe get bored with, this, with mm. the mass produced. I think people are seeking out pieces that are different, whether it's clothing or um, jewellery. And I think definitely the UK, I think people just appreciate it. They've got, they've got the education. And yeah. I think part of that is because every single village almost that you go to, even if it's tiny, has generally has a little gallery that yes. has locally crafted or regionally crafted work in it. And that's, you can go 10 miles down the road and there'll be another gallery. And they, mm. and it's not easy for them. I had one in a, quite a small village and I know how difficult it is, but people do patronise those kinds of businesses. Mm. Where, and, and seek them out. I don't know if that happens to quite the same extent here. No, I, I think a lot, you know, thinking about all the small towns that I've been to in Australia, or, you know, some of them would have that, but it's a, it's a rarity rather than a norm. So that's quite interesting. And thinking of the UK, exactly, like I've been there numerous times now, obviously, and, yeah, I see where you're coming from. That sort of, it's sort of part of the village uh, landscape. I guess you it, might say. Yeah, and I think it's one of the first things, not everybody, but a lot of people will look for that when they go to a, a mm. place and they're exploring. They, they want to find out where those galleries are, all those little shops, um, I, whereas I, I don't do. think it's on the radar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here I think it's more markets. And yes. it has been for a long time. You know, yeah. 
where what market is good to go to, what's mm. the best market in this city or this town. Um, but beyond that, I think it's probably still quite a way behind the UK. But obviously we've got a much smaller population as well. Yes, so there's not, uh, not as much people, not as many people doing the shopping and not, not as much of a concentration of people in small areas as well. Well, precisely, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Okay, so let's get back to um, your business itself. So, uh, you know, you had a situation where you had to go with what you knew because you needed to make money, so you had to throw yourself into it uh, and work hard at that. And at, so are you at the point now where you're like, okay, I need to perhaps reestablish that I am doing what I want to be doing with this business or is there another direction I want to be taking it is, or are you happy with the Seaglass sort of silver gold way that you're going at the um, I would still want to work with the Seaglass. When I first started about six years ago, maybe seven years ago, there, it was nobody was just a handful of people that I could find online working with it. Now mm. it's everywhere, obviously, on all over Pinterest and Instagram and there's <laughs> many, many jewellers working with it. Um, so it's become more of a more of a common material, I guess, to work with. Um, but I still, I still love working with it and I find that people respond to it. Especially, well, my, my experience at the markets has been that people are drawn to it. They've got mm. memories of collecting it. They love the feel of it and the look of it. And my glass is collected from, from a beach in the UK, so it's a little bit more special than the average beer bottle that's thrown, yeah. you know, tossed into the ocean. So <laughs> I want to continue with it, but I, what I want to make is um, more one-off, bigger pieces that are obviously mm. more expensive. But yeah. I do feel like I'm in this trap because... I obviously still have to bring in an income and I still have to validate what I'm doing. And it's that sometimes it's better the devil, you know. Mm. So whilst I'd like to break away from the markets and, and stop them completely, uh, they generate a really good revenue for me. So mm. it's that how long's a piece of string, like how long do I stop for and try to concentrate online or juggle the two together, which I find really difficult. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a – I'm not quite – sure how to do that i think and i do feel like i am better selling face to face and talking to people right. yeah so getting that message across digitally is harder for me mm -hmm. and feel like that's not necessarily where my skill although i've had to learn over the years and mm. um take photographs and instagram and things like that but i've i still feel that that's a bit of a challenge Okay, so I mean, first of all, your website looks lovely. Um, I think you've done a really good job of that. It looks very professional, and your photos are very professional. Obviously, um, do you get a do you get a professional photographer to do your model shots, or is it something you do yourself? Um, it's a combination. Yeah. So some of them have been um, sh uh, professional shoots, and the others have been kind of a bit of winging it with myself <laughs> and a couple of other people. Um, so a combination of the two. Yeah, yeah. But yeah tend towards more professional but all my actual product shots mm -hmm. pieces i've i've done myself yeah and i i just can't afford to pay someone no and they look fantastic so you you know you're doing oh, a really good you. job with the online aspect of things um you know visually i feel and everybody who's listening and i can see a whole bunch of you do go check out cricket store and give us any feedback um in the chat in the zoom chat we'd love to hear um what you think about that as well um so you know i think you're doing a really good job there i found it really interesting what you said about 
you know, that balance between markets and online and that, you know, you feel more comfortable uh, and perhaps effective selling in person uh, versus online. How, uh, how often do you do markets? Is it a weekly thing? It, well, when, when I first started, it was two markets a weekend for, I think it was a year and a half, which right. really killed me. I did yeah. feel like I was in a fact, well, I essentially was, I was my own little sweatshop. Yeah. Um, and I was just working nine to five and, and that, that was great because I was selling a mm. lot over a weekend and I was having to re, remake. Um, and obviously with markets, you, it's not just the stock you sell, you need mm. three times that to sell the stock you sell so that people have got variety and come in and have a look. So um, I've forgotten the question. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was saying how often did you do, do you do markets so, now? So now I've gone back down. So I was still doing it maybe two to three times a month yep. um, since Mark's had work. But now I'm trying to wind back to two, two a, a month. And which markets is that in Sydney? Now I've, I'm, I'm just at Manly Market. So okay. I've tried them all, including the Rocks and Paddington, which, which has always been traditionally a really good uh, craft artisan market mm -hmm. and for me for my clientele um manly's just been consistently the best yeah uh, and there's a happen. very big british population as well I okay. think, in manly which which helps and i would still say mm -hmm. maybe 50 to 60 percent of my customers are, are british which is really interesting yeah that is very interesting i, w I wonder if it's because oh, i guess this you you are using british sea glass so that probably has a bit of a uh, sentimental value to them you know they're, they're buying a little bit of home in an Australian style kind of thing like it's sort yep, of a nice true. melding of the two things true yeah because um, I love you know looking at your sea glass I, it's funny when I started Ethereal I actually made some sea glass jewelry. it's one of the first oh, things okay. I ever made but it was collected from my local beach here in Brisbane and you know it was the kind of the stuff that's only been in the ocean for a couple of years and it's still got a bit of you know some jagged bits and whatever it's hard, really hard to find the, that's properly smooth here and you don't totally. get the, yeah you don't get yeah. those little nuggets like you do in other countries yes yes <laughs> so that's really interesting um and that's obviously a challenge in itself because when i was living yeah. in the uk i could i could make trips quite frequently to collect mm. but now i'm running low i am going overseas again this year and i will go to see him which is where i collect my sea glass and, and collect as much as i can and try to get it back through customs but um <laughs> so whereabouts is that a I'm challenge just, I'm it's just... up in the northeast of okay the UK, right so it's just near durham um, okay. newcastle yeah right i'm just like gonna stalk that place next time <laughs> yeah definitely it's just below the scottish border though, so. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But the whole of the coastline i mean the uk's yeah. got so much more history from that mm. point of view of of um well, it's essentially ocean dumps. I mean, that's what they yeah, were. Yeah, exactly. Um, in Australia, we haven't we haven't done that. We've treated mm. them a little bit kinder. So, yeah, so it is. And people, I think also my sensibilities are possibly slightly skewed towards that, the UK feeling because I, my gallery mm. was there and I was constantly trying to obviously attract people and all my merchandising and the way I've done things is possibly, I think it's changing more and it's becoming mm. more Australian in my style, but definitely when I first came back. Um, I think that was fairly evident. Yeah, well, I love looking at your, to me, looking at your website looks very Aussie, like, you know, especially those model shots on the beach and the sort of the bright sun and all of those sorts of things. Um, and the, the, the colour scheme feels very Australian beachy to me. Um, yeah. Very Sydney. So, okay, so let's talk about um, a few elements here. You've got the online, you've got the markets. Um, just quickly, do you sell wholesale at all? 
No, and no, and that's partly because it. I, I just it's so hard to make any money. My yeah. materials are so expensive, and well, we know yeah. all this. And I understand because I've been on that side of it, and I did charge mm. commission from other jewelers. I always tried to make it as low as I could, but and I understand where the money goes. But just for me, unless you're selling huge volume, mm-hmm. it's hard to make that profit. Yeah, especially with the expensive materials. Cool. Uh, and then you were saying you would like to do some kind of more bigger intricate pieces. Uh, pieces that are probably yes cost cost a lot more mm-hmm. so my son said to me a couple of years ago when he was only about four and I said <laughs> I'm trying to finish all this jewelry because I've got a market on the weekend and you know just stressing constantly stressing and <laughs> and I, you know I need to make at least a thousand dollars on Saturday and he, was, yeah. and he just looked at me and said mummy why don't you just make one ring worth a thousand dollars and sell that and I was like that's really actually very clever I don't know. <laughs> brilliant <laughs> why don't I do that I've got out to find of, someone to buy it. <laughs> out of the mouths of babes, eh? Exactly. Um, that's great. So uh, with that, you know, I personally, I think that's awesome. Um, there's a couple of avenues with that. You know, one, I think that's something you should definitely sell out markets or online. You know, it's it's that aspirational piece that people, like that you'll have in the middle to draw people's eyes and then they'll come and check it out. And sure, they might not buy that, but they might buy one of the other pieces. Um same with, you know, uh, social media marketing, those sort of more impressive pieces go viral more often, I think, in a way. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there is the gallery angle, as in the high-end gallery, art art angle that you could go with that if you wanted to, but I don't know if that's the way you want to go. Well, it, I would be open to that mm. um, and I have my work in a in just one gallery um, over Christmas, but just first time in a long time. I think for me, and all of that is what I would strive for and that's what I'm kind of pushing for, but uh, it's the same, that everybody has the same problem. It's just the time, how long it takes. So we're all in the same camp (laughs) with trying to keep your online presence and and everything Mm -hmm. and then juggling family and how long it, obviously those bigger pieces and more intricate pieces take a lot longer to make. Um, and I think that's the problem when you've got markets breathing down your neck. Mm. Um, you tend to do the bread and butter, which gets really boring after a while. But yeah. obviously, you know, you're pretty guaranteed of bringing in some money. So it's breaking that mind. I guess it's breaking that mindset of of taking that leap of faith, I guess, as well. Oh, and it's hard. Like when you've been in business this long and making stuff for this long, you know, and you know that those bread and butter pieces are going to bring you in the money. It's so hard to not do that uh, because it's your livelihood, you know, and uh, to take the time to, to, to make those more artistic pieces can sometimes just be too exhausting because you're already so worn out from all of the work that you've been doing. That's, that, that's exactly it. And it's also then once you've made them, it's where do you sell them? So yes. it's that kind of um, scenario as well, I think. It's the uncertainty element. Um, you know, is it going to sell? Is all of this time, you know, that I could have, I could have made ten of these other pieces in the exactly. time for me to make this? Exactly. Yeah, it's that <laughs> whole that I'm sure everybody grapples with all the time. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, so you know, there's no easy answer there. It's just a case of, you know, if you do have the time, making the or making the time for it. I mean, that's that's another option. You know, giving yourself like a staycation retreat where you you know have a week off and maybe play with some stuff that you wouldn't normally give yourself the time to play with uh something like that yeah and i think that's what i wanted to try to do more this year is, mm. is do that but cut if not cut corners that's probably not the right thing to say but <laughs> speed up the process by working with wax a lot more mm. um 
so that I could make one-off pieces, but actually carve a lot of it in wax and then um, set sea glass afterwards. But and again, has... that's experimental, so mm. that's a, that's a process in itself. But yeah, that's what I've been playing with those ideas. So how's your the kind of nugget range that you were talking about last year going? That you um, have I haven't looked at all the the amount that I've sold in, mm. in amongst the other. So off the top of my head, I would say possibly not as well as I would have liked. Mm. But then I have done several reorders through the casting agency, so with reasonable amounts at each time. So mm. it's probably better than I thought. Um, but I think people still go, f it has to be combined with sea glass. So I think that's really right. the draw card. When I try to do it just on its own, it's not as popular. Mm -hmm. When I'm com combining it with the sea glass, it is. Um, so that's really been quite interesting. And I guess there are so many people making with silver and predominantly with silver, there's a yes. huge a choice. So it's kind of that differentiating between my work and somebody else's. And I guess it's the sea glass. It's a bit of a niche market, mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, so it's combining the two together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's get back to your questionnaire briefly. Um, you, you said, where do you see your business in three years? You hope to be selling more pieces online regularly and consistently and that you would like to employ someone to manage the social media marketing side. So at this stage, percentage-wise, you know, ballpark, how much are you making, you know, what percentage are you making online versus markets? In monetary terms, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Not even 10%, only because I haven't put this. So all the pieces, that the sea glass pieces that I uploaded before Christmas have all sold. Um, <laughs> but there was only probably fifth, like 10 or 15 between my um, Shopify shop and Etsy. So it's not that many pieces compared to the, I don't know how many I sold at the market. So, no. but to be fair, I don't think I've, I haven't put enough on there to, to really know. And, and mm -hmm. that's that chicken and egg thing because the amount of time it takes yeah it takes so much time. and your stuff is mostly one of a kind like the sea glass stuff is one of a kind and a lot of it is yeah this is the problem we're selling online <laughs> i know but, but interestingly over the before i think it was in the middle of last year i did quite a bit of research into jewelers who work with a lot of um international jewelers who work with a lot of rough cut gemstones mm -hmm. and they just have a disclaimer a lot of them do have one photo take one set of photos taken that it'll be a rough cut amethyst or whatever yeah um, earrings and they just have a disclaimer saying each each pair is different due to the nature of the stones mm. um, and I've discussed that doing that a similar kind of thing with my pieces but a lot of people have said that the colors vary even even though that's only subtle they do vary mm. and is that a good idea especially when you if you start putting higher prices on it people want to know exactly what they're going to get so yeah. i've kind of balked at that and i haven't thought about using a generic set of photos for the one of a kind okay so the thing that comes to mind for me is to try to uh, to try to emulate the model that i see a lot of ceramicists and similar jewelers uh sorry ceramicists and other crafters where they have a release of a new like a new um what do they call it uh, like a limited collection yeah basically well basically they make a lot of one of kind stuff and they they do a release like on social media to oh, their yeah. um, yeah. and they say here's the new batch and you know a lot of it sells out really quickly because they've built the audience 
and the anticipation and the the yep. community of true fans. So it's so, almost the scarcity model where you're exactly. trying to yeah because you because you're working with the one of a kind and I'm I'm pretty convinced that the only way and I still <laughs> to this day have not managed to get someone on on my podcast who is successful selling one of a kind stuff online only um but from what i've seen of people doing it successfully is there's only two options one you sell yeah. very expensive stuff two you build up that network of yeah. people who like your stuff so much that they want to get it and yeah so they're kind of collectors true fans um which you know when you're dealing with something like uh, ceramic uh, you know homeware decoration it's a lot easier i think in a weird way I don't know. I feel like that's something people collect more than they would collect yeah, true. jewelry. Um, yeah. However, I still think there's a benefit in that, in that, you know, you can build up uh, hype around the release of a new collection. Like, here's the latest release of, you know, even if it's just 10, 15 pieces. And doing that on a semi regular basis. So, yeah. So people, I had thought of doing something. And then it's similar to that and then completely forgotten about it because mm. I've been so – that which is what happens, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But I think the, um, <laughs> the thing that I've – and I think I totally agree with what you're saying and that would be a, a great way for me to do it, but it's that building that hype and that uh, getting yeah. those people to, to be anticipating it almost feels like I need somebody else to be doing that for me. Yes. In, because there's just not enough. You, you have to put in so much effort. Mm -hmm. So it's that finding the right person, I guess, you can – help build that momentum mm -hmm. i think it's quite i don't know like to me it seems like quite a daunting prospect to do on my own yeah it is and i think it is it's a lot of work um so i can understand uh, the reluctance to 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 go that way for that reason and because not only is it a lot of work at the beginning it's, it's something you have to maintain if you want it to be successful yeah, yeah. um but uh, yeah i think the you know the other options because you've got the the gallery kind of uh, wholesale consignment way. And it, for you, I think, and I'm sure you've thought about this, but uh, from an outsider's perspective, you know, my perspective on that would be to target the high-end boutiques, the high-end gallery yeah. shops, things yeah, like that. Definitely. The yeah. Australiana, you know, the, the place oh, yes. people go yeah, yeah. to buy yeah. stuff that reminds them of their Australian experience. You know, yeah, I think your jewellery yeah. is very good for that. I think it's very evocative the colours and the, the fact of sea glass, you know, the beach and all that sort of thing, um, I think could be a really uh, great angle. Um, and then there's obviously the markets which you're already doing uh, because they are so successful because I think, again, your stuff sells really well in person because people can see it. Well, that's, yes, pick that's it. Up it. And get and the right colour. That's exactly it, and that's part of the challenge of photographing it. I think I've, I've finally nailed it after years and years of really killing myself. <laughs> Of getting of capturing the true colours so that people can actually see mm. it, and not worrying about that stark white background and all of that. Um, so I think I've finally worked out how to do that. But yeah, I, I still think people respond in person so much more. Mm. And I and a lot I have noticed a lot of the sales on, well, not that there's been that many on my Shopify shop. I think a lot of them have been people who've seen it at the market, mm. so they've seen it in the flesh first, which means I'll be hopefully become repeat buyers online because they've seen the quality of it in the flesh So how's and this don't for, necessarily see it again. So how's this for another option? I'm sure you've probably thought about it, but it just comes to mind for me. And that is instead of hiring someone 
to do the social media marketing, et cetera, side. Have you considered hiring someone to sell at the markets for you? It's a I have. Stock, it's, you know, your staff member at the markets. Yes, I have. And it's um, finding the right person. Mm. So I have chatted to a few other really regular market um, holders and they've all they've just told me horror stories of okay. you know, <laughs> finding the right person and then people not turning up and, oh, right. you know, being on their phone. So it's, no, but I mean, it is just finding the right person and I'm yeah. kind of coupled with what's the incentive for them and you don't want them to necessarily be working for a commission because that might make them quite pushy. Mm. So um, I have thought about that and I'm still really open to that and I think for next, for, so I, I have planned the whole year, which I've n not really ever done in the past because mm. I've just been on the go. And I will, I think, still this year, um, definitely do the markets uh, to, toward November and December, do as many as I can, mm -hmm. but build the stock in, well in advance so that yeah. the stress is not quite as high. And then perhaps try to find somebody for that period and see how that goes. Um, even if it's just somebody for half a day, mm. take the time to find the right person, I think, is really important. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Having hired people many times, I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can make mistakes and taking the time to train them, obviously, as well, where they're working with you, alongside you for a while before you let them go on their own sort of thing. So they know, you know, what you expect and the style that you expect and the sales um, strategy you expect, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I definitely will be doing that mm. towards the end of the year and still still probably i think i'll take um, my plan is to take this year to really try to, to to sell more online and keep it consistently um stocked online but mm -hmm. but still try to build my stock in advance for the end of the year and then yeah. hopefully into next year um tip the scales more to the online mm -hmm. but i have said this every year for the last five years so <laughs> <laughs> but it, and it i is do it or not well, yeah, and it is that balance. Like, sure, markets are a lot of work. You've got to go, you've got to set up and stuff. But that's like it's one day. Whereas if you're trying to exactly. sell this stuff online, it's an awful lot of work. You've got to take all the photos. You've got to do all the photo editing. You know, so it's possibly more exactly. work. It's it feels, yes, it feels, exactly. And that's, I think that's it. It, it To me, it feels like more work. And if mm -hmm. you're going to sell $1,000 at the markets in a day, I, I highly doubt I'm going to sell $1,000 in a week well i don't know in a week mm. online but maybe over time i will that's in, that's essentially only 10 necklaces but it's that putting that putting that effort and that time in mm. and where do you balance your time um but i mean obviously only i can answer that question i, I guess mm. it's having the confidence to to put myself out there a bit more online which sounds ridiculous because mm. i do it at the markets all the time in person <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. but it's, it is different i i do understand um, the difference it's I think in, in some ways especially if you're a people person it's kind of effortless to do it in face-to-face -face scenario whereas it's a lot more work you know to do it online you have to take the photos you have to edit the photos you have to think of what to say you have to <laughs> you know, have a have a phrase that right and am I using the right keywords and all those sorts of things and it's a lot more complicated yeah definitely you're, you're basically making up for the fact that you don't have that something like 80 to 90 percent of, com of of communication that happens non-verbally um, exactly you know yeah. yes so, <laughs> totally it, it's a lot harder in, in some ways to get that across in an online setting so yeah definitely yes definitely um before we wrap up um 
Uh, oh yeah, one, uh, two last things quickly. Those of you who are, who are listening live, uh, one question Cricket has is, uh, what are people's reactions to my prices? Are they in line with the perception of my products? Uh, now remember everybody, the difficulty with this is different people have different perceptions of what value is. So it's, it's not a hard and fast rule, but if you want to give your feedback on that question, please do. Um, Amanda's also just said your recent work on finance and budgeting has been its inspiring cricket. So thank you for that. Uh, it has been lovely for you to share that with us in the circle. And the, the other question quickly I just want to touch on before we wrap up is the question you asked about focusing your time in terms of traffic. So you say, I know I need to be blogging using Pinterest. Really, I need the strategy to make the time to actually do this. So kind of where are you at with that at the moment? Oh, hang on. You're muted. Just unmute you. Yep. And now you're good. Uh, yep. Um, before November, December, which kind of just went manic with the markets, I was on track and I was um, blogging and sending out newsletters and doing it all. And then, of course, that's all fallen by the wayside <laughs> this, this month, really. I think I still, I still put in effort in December, but um, January has been a little bit of a write-off. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I've broken the barrier with that. It's just that consistency and it's just, just making it happen yeah. more than anything. Yeah. So just getting back and maybe, you know, just realizing that that time of year, you know, it's going to be a bit of a mess and that's okay because I think like that's one of the reasons I, you know, I do a summer series over the, over the kind of November, December on my podcast because everyone's so busy. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't need to be putting out new content because everybody's wrapped up in their own lives. So, and realizing that as well with like, if you're spending your time focusing on selling at markets and things, then it's okay that you're not the effort of online like we uh, we we want to be consistent with things we want to have a system in place but just because consistency doesn't necessarily mean i'm doing the same thing all year the same way uh, look at it at a larger level of like okay across the year at what points in the year do i need to be putting most effort into this the online marketing you know maybe that sort of october november pre-christmas for people yeah, who are buying exactly. online and then yeah. you're like well by the end of november i'm done like i'm going to be focusing on the markets because that's when people are buying in person rather than buying online and so it's absolutely fine to just leave it for a month and then come exactly. back exactly uh, yeah and i think that guilty. it's that that's right and i think it's you know we're all so conscientious and we're all trying all the time so hard that we forget that nobody knows whether or not we were meant to do something only us you know, like, <laughs> exactly. so you put this pressure on yourself but really in the scheme of things it actually doesn't matter but it's hard to keep that in the forefront but definitely planning um the last podcast podcast that you did with the the two planning um a and b the planning sessions that, mm, on the business I mean, it's, making, it's yeah. obvious yes it's obvious but it doesn't always happen Whereas I have actually mapped out my year this year and I will, exactly what you just said, there'll be times when it will happen and times when it won't and, and try to get myself organised before I'm kind of in it and mm. become that swan with the legs, stress, the feet stressing underwater kind of thing, <laughs> trying to stay calm on the surface. So yeah. I, I will do that this year and it means, I think it, then that comes into that whole um, being really which i am i always do work as much as i can but at times when you, it's a quiet time or it's winter you do slack off whereas mm -hmm. i realize i actually haven't got that luxury to slack off in those times because i need to be making for when it's really really busy so that i don't wear myself out when it's really really busy yeah exactly yeah i think that's really really important Ooh. 
and um, just being aware of that that time frame and <laughs> you know not re- not thinking that you have to be always doing everything all at once at the same time at the same level of effort. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So it comes down to time management, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But I think you know, uh, for those of us like you and me who've been in business a long time, you 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 get to the point where you realise these things. But then, for, especially for people who haven't, and, and even for us, it takes you know, even we get it wrong and forget about it and or get distracted. And for those people listening who are new, I think it's important that you realise that it's it's okay and it's normal to not be always on top of everything at all times. Yeah, and have that list that's, I don't know how many items long that I've had pretty much the same list for the last eight years. Clearly, I'm not going to take much action on, but you feel like you constantly have to be, it, you know, once upon a time, it was a lot easier, I think, to be a designer or a maker. You might not have sold as much, but there weren't all those other things you had to be doing because yes. you basically sold through a gallery and that was it. Mm-hmm. But now that overwhelm that we all suffer from, um, I mean, it's real, isn't it? Because it is someone's constantly telling you there's something else you could or should be doing Mm. and that chatter is constantly going in your brain it is and i think we need uh, what you said before or or it kind of hit in my head the whole you know nobody else knows what you're supposed to be doing just you so you know you're the one putting the pressure on yourself um and sometimes it's okay to give yourself a break (laughs) And, and and go okay well i can't do everything perfectly all the time let's focus on what's most important and what's going to be most effective for this new next period and then let's just get that done and move on from there yeah and that's what comes down to that obviously the year planning for a year is mm. will help that a lot more yeah i, I agree a lot more yeah yeah because yeah. you're you're more aware of that arc of time and and of exactly. what is needed when yeah. uh, a few notes from the chat um amanda said I'm not very familiar with gold jewellery prices, but the silver prices feel right to me. Can I also say that the jewellery under 100 menu is a great one? Um, Kirsty says, my sense is prices are okay. I understand why you're using gold-filled chains, but I wonder if that would be an area to step up. Also, 14 carat versus 9 carat. I'm guessing the Australian market not so familiar with 14 carat, so could make more of a step up from 9K. So just some talk about the gold there. I, I don't know anything about gold myself, so I can't comment on that. And it would be, um, I haven't got any, I don't think there's any sea glass pieces on my shop at the moment. So it's a hard question for people to answer in regards to those pieces because I think yeah. the last, yeah, it's all gone. Yeah, it's pretty much all. There are oh, there are a few pieces there. There's gold aqua sea glass necklace, long gold necklace with a blue sea glass. So there's a few pieces there. But okay. yep. there, it is predominantly the um, the cast work that you've got there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Kirsty just said emphasising that the 14K is richer than 9 carat is what I mean, like making it clear that that's right. why it's more expensive. Okay, that's a, good, it that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, because yep. there's so much higher quality of gold. Thank you, yes. Kirsty. Yep. That's a really good and point. She's, and, yeah, she's right. Um, Australians are only just – well, it's very – it is American, 14 carat. Um, the Brits don't really – you know, I had to educate them as well about 14 carat. <laughs> But I think slowly people are understanding that it's, you know, in between those two values, mm-hmm. 9 and 18, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've never worn gold, so I'm not I'm not au fait on the, the carrot situation. <laughs> but I know people who wear gold probably have a bit, a bit of a better idea than, than I do. Um, okay, so 
Are there any final follow-up questions that you've got for me there, Cricket, after all of that? Um, no, I don't. I think that was really good just to sound it out with you. And, mm. and I had completely forgotten. I had thought about the scarcity model and the releasing limited mm. collections. Um, and that I haven't got that on my list at the moment. So that was good just to be jogged by that. And no, I think that covered everything. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you um, and talking about your business. And I can't wait to see where you go with it. Thanks. Thanks, Jess. Huge thanks to Cricket for allowing me to play this business intensive on the show. I hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. And remember, come on over and become a member of the circle and you'll be in the running for that massive prize of a one hour consult with me, a full shop critique, a copy of all of my self-study courses and my Create and Thrive Guide to Product Photography. And of course, if you win, you'll also get three months of free membership to the Thriver Circle. Come and join our wonderful community of passionate, dedicated makers who really want to see their businesses thrive. Thrivercircle.com. Sign up now. Make sure that you've signed up by March 25 if you want to be eligible for the big giveaway. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'll be back again next week. Oh, and remember, if you forgot, Setup Shop is also now open for registration. If you want to join me for that course, that's over on createandthrive.com. Just follow the links and you can sign up to do that course right now. It also starts March 25th. Bye for now.